this is Bardor, ancient wizard of podcasting. I've been holding this episode of Master's Cast captive for quite some time. Why I've decided to finally let them upload it, well, that's just my little secret. So enjoy the show, relive the past, and have some new and exciting adventures with the cast. Oh, and by the way, if you're going to PowerCon this year, yeah. Make sure to stalk John and Katie. They'll be in attendance. <laughs> you are listening to Master's Cast. <laughs> this is Master's Cast, the first He-Man and She-Ra podcast, episode number 54 for Sunday, April 28th, 2013. Thanks for downloading. I'm John Callis, also known as The Shadow. I'm Katie Carty Hiley, also known as Rainbow Bright. I am Martin Penny, also known as Wacky Martin. I am Leanne Hanna, also known as Stratos Macca. And I'm Justin Lioncourt, also known as Just Lioncourt. And this is known as silence. <laughs> it speaks a thousand words. We're mourning the death of the sorcerers. Wah, wah. But maybe she's a bird or a hamster or whatever they said. <laughs> what is it, a dungeon rat? Yeah. <laughs> terrible. Uh, since our last show, we have gotten a few figures that I thought we could uh, mention real quick. The merch figures were King He-Man and Fang-Man. Fang-Man. <gasps> <laughs> I'm not a big Fang Man fan, but the figure's fine. Um, I love that he came with the Wheel of Time and the Sword of the Ancients. The Sword of the Ancients was something from the cartoon that I wanted since I was a kid. For some reason, that sword had a huge impression on me as a kid. So, that was a very, very cool accessory for Fang Man to come with. Is anybody else with me on this? I really liked him. Um, he looked very different to all the other figures. I like ones that look a bit more cartoony, and he was definitely amongst that group. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not a, not a fan of Fang Man, the uh, character, really. But, but uh, yeah, and the King He-Man figure, which I was not particularly... Ex- uh, well, actually, I wasn't excited about at all. I really just didn't care. Um, I actually ended up liking the figure quite a bit. I thought I wouldn't. And no one's with me on this either. <laughs> <laughs> well, as we know, I, d- I don't get this the subscription this year, so... Ah, okay. I did not uh, get those figures. And well, he was okay. I did just buy Snake Face, though. Yeah, that's the next one I was going to talk about. Snake Face uh, arrived I can talk about people. him. All right. He arrived in April, and he, uh, I, I am not a Snake Face fan. Uh, I, I'm not a big Snake Men fan in general, but uh, Snake Face is probably my least favorite of the Snake people. But it's still a pretty cool figure. So, what did you think? I agree. Um, I was never. I, I don't think I had him when I was a kid, but Rod did. So he was excited when. I said I was going to buy him because I still wanted him because he was a Snake Man figure. And um, I think he looks pretty cool. I, I did put the, uh, I, I kept the 
the head with the snakes coming out of it on him. Yeah, that's what I have on him as well. That is a pretty cool looking figure, I gotta say. And I saw a hilarious picture someone posted on Facebook of Snake Face not battling, but staring at Castle Grayskull Man like, I'm gonna turn you to stone. And Castle Grayskull Man just looking back at him like, really? (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty funny, actually. Yeah. (laughs) That's pretty good. But uh, yeah, it's a good, it's a very good figure. Not, Not a character I'm a big fan of, but it's a very cool figure, so... Um, and well done. I like the uh, the way that they um, have the things that come off of his armor so you can have the, the snakes coming out and all that. It, it was obviously thoughtfully put together. So mm-hmm. it was good. Good, good. And that is all. Our next uh, set coming in May is Karate, which I could not care less about. Uh, new Adventures character. And the Fighting Foemen, which I wasn't enthusiastic about and am now looking forward to. I'd just like to note, (laughs) if I may, (laughs) that this is a common theme, uh, Josh. Yeah, it it is. That you end up, you have the, you're like, oh, I like this one now. (laughs) It depends. Optic, I, Optic I was one of those as well. True. I try to stay true to my hate. Uh, <laughs> see, I I go in with an open mind, and I am willing to have my mind changed if it can be. It was not changed with Slushhead. It was changed <laughs> with Optic. See, so. that's what I don't get because, like, Optic. I mean, Slushhead compared to Optic, like Slushhead. Slushhead. He looks ridiculous. I, I do not. Like, <laughs> I do not like Slushhead. Um, but no, the fighting film, partly because I I miss, I, one, at some point had gotten confused, not being able to actually see them yet, had gotten confused as to where they, where they were originating from. I thought they were coming from the box art of the toys, not realizing they were coming from the uh, box art of the model kits, which I was a huge fan of, loved the model kits. Um actually really want to uh, get those again. I no longer own them. So uh, if anyone ever sees those pop up on eBay or something, let me know. Uh, so I think that's really cool that they're coming from that. And uh, I'm a- yeah, I'm actually excited for these three. Now. Well, see, that makes sense. Well, I had the model kits. Well, at least Attack Track and Roton. And but you I'm still have the hate. Still not excited for them. <laughs> <laughs> All right then. Well, we we know I'm not getting them, so I'm. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> and I'm presumably not getting karate either. The, I, I have. It's new adventures. Come on. I have seriously not heard anybody, not even new adventures fans, who are like s- excited for karate. This seems to be like a no one cares. Even the new adventures people don't seem to really care. Do you care, Martin? Um. <laughs> wow. I have no. He's not one of the ones that I would have picked. He's not even one of the most interesting characters. I like the figure, but I think they could have gone with someone far more noteworthy, especially considering that they're almost out of like the important classic characters. Yeah, I think it would have made more sense if they'd gone with like Flog or 
was the other one I was thinking of? One of the other heroes. Uh, or not heroes. Uh, Hydrant, right? That's the one that people always say they like. Yeah, he's yeah. a hero. Is he a hero? Okay. This shows you Is how much he I a hero. <laughs> Boy, someone didn't watch the first episode. Uh, it's, it's been a very long time. <laughs> it's been a very long time. Um, and I was not ever impressed any of the times I sat down to watch it. So, so anyway. Well, who thought good would look this bad? <laughs> so that's, uh, that's what high one of them says about oh, yeah he does so it might have been flip shot or was it no i think it was hydron that said it like it seems like it would be a flip shot comment being oh, stupid I, I but i think i think hydron <laughs> said it. i can tell that you boys are good just like me <laughs> <laughs> We so, got it. We got. We get a lot of bad people around here. See, <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, I think karate was an odd choice for uh, for the next new adventures figure, but you don't well, see, want us. Is, Go ahead. This is just you know, again with Mattel making the weird choices. Exactly. Yeah, they they made a lot of weird choices for the first half of 2013. So, and I I think in general over the last several years, the the particularly the first half of the years, they've made good choices this year was the first one where i think they they really kind of uh they really kind of made some very very strange and and decisions that don't seem in the best interests of the line in general word yeah so that's uh that's all there really was news wise slow time Slow podcast. Well, we do have the comics to talk about. Things yes. might get a bit more lively now. <laughs> John will ch- channel some more of his hate into the podcast, which is always fun. There you go. And we have uh, are you, Shadow. What are you doing? You have not <laughs> spoken for quite some time. I'm <laughs> preparing myself. Okay. <laughs> Are we putting in our surprise for this episode now or after comic talk? Um, I don't know. (laughs) After comic talk. All right. So that's easier to edit at the end. All right. So there's your teaser, everyone. There's a surprise coming at the end of the show. Stay tuned. (laughs) Are you going to take us into the comic talk, Mr. Shaq? Oh, do I have to do everything? <laughs> All right. All right. You know no, what? Yeah, Fine. I am hosting the no, show today. I'm I am just, taking I'm control. Joking. I was just joking. I was just trying to be facetious, <laughs> which uh, is my favorite word in the whole entire universe. And Prince Adam said it in issue one of the comic. Are we going to start with the origin, though? Yeah. But I just wanted to use the word facetious. And you used it quite facetiously. Facetious. <laughs> If I had, like I said, I might have mentioned this before. If I ever wrote an autobiography about myself, which I'm sure I will at one point, um, it will be called <laughs> facetious. <laughs> there you go. Copyright me. Yeah, but let's talk about the origin first because that was the dinky one. <laughs> now, yeah. now, did you really not like the story, or are you just angry at the King Grayskull angle? No, actually, the King Grayskull angle. Um, doesn't bother me because you at, at some point and another, 
um, given that it's been like what almost ten years, if not more. <laughs> One just has to accept the fact that King Gray's call is never going away. I still do not accept it. <laughs> but I, I, I mean, and I, that was I, one thing I did not like about the comic. Yeah, I, I don't want to like keep using it. I guess as my like, okay, crutch. That's not the main problem I have with the origin of He Man. Okay, so what is the main problem that you had? Okay, the main problem I have is that it was a terrible comic book. <laughs> 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 And, and that was an enlightening I, observation. I will explain. I will explain. I am so sick of everybody finding out that Prince Adam is He-Man. Okay, so he transforms right in front of Skeletor. Um, I also do not like this bull that the power sword is hidden in a wall behind a tapestry. And Skeletor feels its presence. I feel that we are taking... The mystery and fun out of Castle Grayskull itself, which I guess in part is because of King Grayskull. Um, Mm -hmm. But no, Prince Adam, he's not supposed to know Prince Adam is uh, He-Man. That I've never been a fan of the barbarian He-Man is just He-Man stuff. Because there's like what? A handful of mini comics. So... My thing's the cartoon. They're not supposed to know Prince Adam is He-Man. So why is he transforming in front of Skeletor? And we find out in the other issue, more people know that Adam is He-Man. So it's like, I don't even see the point now. It's like, okay, if well, I was Adam, I would be so mad because it's like, okay, now I guess my destiny is I'm He-Man all the time when I was born Adam. Um, but second of all, also, uh, where is the sort of protection then? If I don't, I don't like for some random reason, the sword of power is hidden in the palace of Eternia, which wasn't even there, right? Whenever King Grayskull was reigned supreme, um, somehow it's in the wall of the palace. And then where's the sword of protection? All right, I have. I and have, one more thing. Okay, okay, okay. I have two responses to, to I so far. So. Viciously, viciously hate when the sword of power is called the power sword. I prefer it to be called the sword of power because you really don't call the other one the protection sword. You call it the sword of protection. So just that's just a minor detail. Okay. <laughs> All right. Can I? Can I? Uh, can I take issue with a couple of these? Sure. All right. Let's 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 debate <laughs> these out, and everyone else jump in too, obviously. But the now bear in mind too. I'm not looking at the panels. You read to me the comic, but so maybe I'm confused somewhere. But I'm not at all sure that the that your first argument is what the way you're supposed to be interpreting this comic. Now, granted, in the miniseries, which obviously happens much much later. Everyone knew at that point because this huge catastrophe has happened and somewhere along the line, Skeletor figured it out fine uh, for that story. But in this one, at the very beginning, before the before, the whole thing seems to imply, at least the, the, the way that I understood it, that Skeletor does not know that He-Man is Adam because he's like, who are you? And well, where I did think you it's come because from? you can't see it. He... The only two people in the room are Skeletor and Adam. When Skeletor blasts the wall down to get the power sword out. No, I'm, the, I, I, that's later, though. No, no. I'm talking this, at the very, the, very first page of the comic. Yes, that is the ending. Okay. Like, 
it, it starts out with the ending, basically, and then flashes back to show you what happens okay. before that moment. And Adam does not transform like under the rocks or something where Skeletor can't see him. Well, there there are only two people in the room. Well, yeah, yeah, but he's like, who are you? Where did you come from? He could, like, he could have materialized from, or he could have been inside the wall, or the sword could have conjured him. Like, Skeletor could interpret that in various ways. Well, I, I, I didn't necessarily interpret it other, other automatically as... I, I feel that he knows Adam is He-Man, because he's the only two people in the room. Uh, what, what do the rest of you <laughs> think? Because I, I took it as he thinks He-Man came from somewhere else or was conjured by because he even says like did the sorceress conjure you both grabbing for the sword and adam the guy underneath the rocks which is adam grabs it first right but he's underneath the rocks skeletor can't see him yeah but like logically (laughs) i would assume if you would assume that one person can transform into another And the, and the like, roof caved in on top of you, and a sword is at the top of the pile, okay? And I'm like, ooh, a sword. And I go to grab the sword, but some hand from inside the rubble pops up and grabs the sword, says, I have the power, and an explosion happens. I'm going to assume you use the sword. But he says, did the sorceress conjure you or whatever? I, 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 I'm not saying I don't get your logic, but I think that they're trying to... To show you that he he did not make that assumption. Well, he does say, "Who are you?" And he asks, if, "Did the sorceress conjure you, or something along those lines?" Yeah. Where so does I, he say about the sorceress conjuring you? It's right at the on very the same beginning. Panel same. where you see uh, Randor and Marlena, all petrified. Who are you? Some creation of the sorceress? A cosmic joke from above? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that part. Um, so that's why, like, to me, it's like he is assuming that, like, magically he has been, been conjured into this place. Not not necessarily, because presumably on well, Eternia... stupid. Well, no, because <laughs> that's presumably, that's on, et- presumably on Eternia, it's just as rare for someone to be able to transform into another person as it is here on Earth. So... You know, that's that's what part of what makes he and Shira special is that they're not the normal case. So why would he assume that? I think Skeletor's stupid. <laughs> yeah, like like seriously, like Hordak would not Hordak would have pieced the puzzle together. So I'll go with the argument that, you know, the pupil is an idiot and that's why he's the student. <laughs> uh. Did anyone else wonder what Skeletor was just doing wandering around the royal palace in the middle of the night? Yeah, that's true. How did he How get, did he get in? <laughs> I will say, though, Josh, I concede. I Now I think that, yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't realize that it's Adam. Okay. Yeah, I forgot about the whole, like, creation of the sorceress type okay. thing. I apologize. All right. Three demerits to myself. <laughs> All right, so... Uh, what but I you... still think it sucks. Okay, your second your second point was okay. what was your second point? Um, uh, I, I don't like that the sort of no that was the third point in the in the wall. Oh, in the wall, in the wall. Yeah, yeah. That that I can kind of go with you. I wonder why it's not at Castle Grayskull. And you were asking why was the sort of protection not there? Uh, there are a lot of um, explanations for that. I think we need to wait and see how the Shira story pans out. Uh, that we'll get to in a minute that they started in issue number one. But I think there's a lot of ways that they could go with that. The sword, the pr- sword of protection maybe could still be at Castle Grayskull. And at some point, 
you know, uh, the royal family or man at arms or somebody, knowing that Adam was going to need the sword, eventually brought it to the palace and hid it. Um, maybe something along those lines. Maybe the the sword of protection um, doesn't yet exist, but will uh, when when Adora finds out her destiny or whatever that sort of thing. Like, it, there's a lot of ways that they could go. Oh, we just don't, I don't think we have enough info yet to call that a problem. <laughs> Well, that 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 was just more of a minor thing. This where's okay. the sword of protection? I just don't like that it was in the wall of the palace. Although I can kind of I can kind of go with the whole maybe they hid it there um, because now assuming if that's that I, well we don't need to assume he says that um, Keldor and Randor grew up in the same palace. Um, kind of that hide it right under your nose so that mm-hmm. you don't know it's there type thing. Mm-hmm. Um. I'm assuming that it's been there, though, you know, within the you know, relatively recent history, like in the last few decades. Obviously, it was there when, when they were growing up because he says he felt it there or whatever. But uh doesn't mean it necessarily started out there. So could have been, you know, like I said, they, they knew it was going to be needed soon. So it got moved. I think we need more backstory before we can, like, at least for me anyway, I need more backstory before I can take too much quibble with, you know, quibble with that too much. And I didn't I like just... Prince Adam just magically going to Grayskull in his mind to talk to the sorceress. Well, it's sort like, of like the whole telepathy him, thing. Just... I know, but him turning into He-Man has always, I, as far as I can remember, started with him going to Grayskull. And him talking to her in person, I didn't think it was a... I'm just going to telepathically tell you all this really important information. Yeah, I mean, I can I can see that. I am kind of tired of the whole, like... I don't know, I'm a little torn. I can see both sides on that one. It is like a big thing. And he's just like having a vision about it. Just didn't have the same oomph for me. I, I guess I go back to Martin's point. Like, how did Skeletor get into the palace anyway? Why wasn't you know? Well, presumably, if he grew up there, he probably knows secret ways in and out and that sort of thing. He came looking for the sword, so. True. I think Man at Arms probably just let him in. <laughs> <laughs> he, he was having a different type of telepathy session with the sorceress, so he. Oh, was... <laughs> oh snap! <laughs> Leanne's been very <laughs> quiet through most of this conversation. What do you what do you think, Leanne? Um, I thought overall it was pretty boring. It was a pretty boring issue. <clears throat> I think some in some points the writing was lazy. Yeah. And I think but I think too that in some ways the art kind of added to that because the the style in this is really super realistic painted style. There's almost no backgrounds anywhere in any of the panels. And to me that I hate I always hate that because you don't get a sense of where you are. There's there's no like the characters are just floating in these panels. There's no mm-hmm. backgrounds at all in, in in a lot of them. And um I don't know, I just I really don't like that. Um so to me that actually took away from the the story. Because you don't get a sense of of that they're grounded, that they're somewhere. They're just, you know, every once in a while they'll show like a, you know, them going down a hallway or, you know, when they find that tapestry on the wall. But I don't know. That that kind of 
let it down for me too. And, and really, it was just he and a Skeletor fighting, and you know, you get that telepathy scene, and that was pretty much it. Like, not a lot really happened. I, I don't really know. It didn't feel like a, a proper origin for me for for He Man. It seemed awfully short, especially compared to the Skeletor origin that we got, which seemed like a much longer story. Maybe they just crammed more into. There's it. a lot more dialogue, I think, right mm-hmm. in the. Uh, yeah, I think I think so. It was it was it seemed like a lot more in depth than this one was. Which is interesting. One thing I did uh, really like about the art was the way they drew Skeletor. I think this is the best that he's looked in any of the new comics so far. But he may look like crap, in my opinion. (laughs) (laughs) I I agree with you. I think Skeletor looks pretty badass, but he's not even cute. I mean, they make all the women like supermodels, and then you're going to give us Prince Adam looking like that? (laughs) Give the girl some eye candy. Come on. Well, I thought the the sorceress (laughs) looked pretty rough in this, too. I didn't. Like Leanne said, it's kind of that realistic-looking art. And I didn't think she looked that that good either. I mean, obviously, it's it's a stylistic choice, and I understand that, but it's it just didn't work for me, in my opinion. And I also didn't like Grayskull, uh, King Grayskull being mentioned. <laughs> we all know about this. Man, Lee Ann is more hardcore than I. I think. I <laughs> <laughs> Well, speaking of that tapestry, which. Uh, I really don't like the way they've made Hordak look like oh, an like yeah. alien predator thing. <laughs> yeah. They continue this. I mean, Despara looks more like Hordak than Hordak. Well, before, yeah, bef- right. yeah, she does. Before we jump, though, to that next issue, I do like the idea. Just one last thing on this origin thing. I did really like the idea. If if you're going to go with the King Grayskull angle, which I don't, I don't love it, but I don't hate it like you guys either. Um, if you're going to go with that angle, I do think it's kind of cool. The idea that he knew at some point that there would be a war between two of his descendants, both carrying the blood. It kind of goes back to the same idea of the good and evil halves of the power sword and all those sort of comics, uh, uh, concepts from the early days Mm -hmm. of, you know, the, the, uh, the power of Grayskull kind of being evenly divided and those kinds of, those kinds of ideas. I think that was kind of a cool, uh, nod to that. I really did like that um, comment about the blood, you know, fight. Mm-hmm. I think, too, it's just that I, we've explained this eight million times. King Grayskull, I think I would not have a problem with if he didn't look like He-Man. And um, you know, the power is within you. I'd like the power to be a mystery. Because I don't have a problem with, like, King Miro, but he doesn't look like He-Man. He doesn't, you know. Martin, I just got your text. That is a delay. <laughs> by like two hours <laughs> oh yeah well disregard it <laughs> <laughs> obviously I'm already here <laughs> anyway that was just an aside are we ready for the next comic book I think we are um, so the other comic book is uh, the first issue of the new ongoing series, He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. <gasps> Exciting. Wow. Um, while the Masters of the Universe mourn the loss of a fallen friend, 
Hordak infiltrates Eternia with the most lethal weapon in his army, Dispara, also known as She-Ra, even though that's not mentioned really anywhere in the comic book. (laughs) Can you you imagine, though, someone that's just like a, oh, I remember He-Man and She-Ra as a kid. And going off of that description, they read it and they're going through and it's like, I'll see Shira. <laughs> I would like to gloat I... for a moment and say that I was right, that they were yeah, just... Yeah, you nailed this one. Uh, yeah. yeah, that they were just mourning the loss of the sorceress who was killed in the previous issue. So I was very, yeah. very happy about being right on that. We Strats, were totally misled. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, we were totally misled on that because they made it sound like somebody was going to die in this issue. Yeah. Not that someone had already died. And I actually had a dream um, that Stratos had died in this <laughs> issue. I swear I did. And the reason I found out is because when I got up that the next morning, I had all these texts and emails from people saying, oh, I'm so sorry, Leanne. <laughs> <laughs> and so that made me all freaked out because that, that was the morning that the issue came out. And so I was all like, oh, my God, is my dream going to come true? <laughs> well, he, Stratos, he's really even briefly shown in a panel so yeah that's true so yeah but yeah i felt we were we were quite misled on that well josh why don't you continue because i started first on the other one all right uh this i loved this issue actually um i've been a little bit trepidatious of how they were going to handle the whole disparate thing and the Hordak invasion and all that, but I think this was handled really, really well. I like the little uh, relationship that they show between Despair and Hordak, a little piece of that in their conversation was cool. Um, you know, we're getting to see the aftermath. The the uh, fact that they listened, apparently, to fan uproar and fixed Tila's hair and then acknowledge the fact that it's changed in the comic was hilarious in my opinion. I thought that was awesome. Yeah, that was good. It seems like so often with stuff like that, it's just like glossed over and nobody says anything. So that was, um, that was pretty cool that they, uh, they took, uh, you know, a few panels to uh, nudge, nudge, wink, wink on that. And um, the, the overall story was was really, really good. Um, I know... Actually, I'm going to let you go first for one thing, Katie, here, because I want to lead off of yours. You noticed... You caught a reference to something else in the that issue. Uh, let me get back to that page. Oh, crap. Where was it? And I don't know if that's exactly what they were referencing, but that's exactly what it made me think of. It's uh, right after he turns into He-Man. I think, right? Because that's when they. Yeah, it's the it's the page after he says, "I have the power." The power. Here we go. Here we go. Uh, yeah, there the energy energy signature. The eminent. Actually, I need to zoom in on this. I can't even read those words. Okay, the energy signature. The eminence warned us of. This is, the reading is off the charts. And in my mind immediately went to his power level. It's over 9,000, which is totally a Dragon Ball Z meme um, that hopefully people still remember. And I don't sound like a moron right now, but that's what it made me think of. (laughs) So there you go. And then the, the thing that I caught that I thought was really cool, is anybody here besides me a Stephen King fan? I am a bit casual. Yeah, okay. Casual. Well, there is a 
in my opinion, absolutely brilliant Stephen King reference, and it's way too perfect, I think, to be accidental uh, in this. So Despara uh, has her exchange with Hordak, and uh, she tells him, my life for you. And that is a, a direct quote from Stephen King's The Stand, which is one of his finest novels. Uh, and exactly the same sort of scenario in that book where the the big evil sorcerer, top guy, main villain, who's the most powerful of all villains sort of in this, and one of his, his minions who serves him, who he has brainwashed into to to serving him very much sort of the same idea we we uh, have with Adora and the secret of the sword story and all that um, who is, is serving him because he's he's kind of used his magic and brainwashed him into doing it and that was his catchphrase or you know his response always to the villain in that story it was my life for you and it was it was always the exactly the same sort of relationship exactly the same words so I, I've got to imagine that was done deliberately and I just got a huge kick out of that as a Stephen King fan so that's cool. It was very cool. Um, I would like to note that you just described Hordak as the supreme badass. <laughs> uh, and it's, well, it's of this story, yes. Uh, <laughs> of this comic it's all, he is. It's all about the editing and how we quote you. I see. <laughs> I see. In this comic in this comic though, certainly that's what he's supposed to be. And uh so that was that was very, very cool. So if anyone who has read The Stand will know immediately uh, what I'm talking about. So that's very, very cool. So, yeah, I thought this was actually really, really well done. Love the banter uh, between uh, Tila and Duncan and Adam. Very well written. They, the, the, it's really cool. They've done a good job in, in the, both the six-part series, I think, in this one, in capturing the the relationship and the banter between Adam and Tila in particular um, making it feel like the filmation one without it feeling like a cartoon. Mm-hmm. Does anybody get what I mean on that? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. There was a bit where I thought um, <laughs> they could have turned it down a bit where they were at the funeral. <laughs> yep, that was one of the things I was gonna. I talked to John about this. That was one of the things <laughs> I, was like, I was gonna bring up. People, please, we are at a funeral. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why don't you just shut up for a minute? <laughs> yeah. But I think it's kind of interesting what they're setting up there, though, too, that, that Tila's got all this animosity toward magic users, uh, you know, no, with us as the audience knowing that she's eventually going to be one of them. It's, I think that's kind of a neat and, and probably not, not that far off since the sorceress is dead. So it's kind of an interesting uh, twist well, that, you actually make a good point. Like they might transition her over to the sorceress role quicker than one might think because of the fact that they have right from the bat now they're using Adora. So if you take a certain amount of time to get Adora to become She-Ra, then you have He-Man and She-Ra. Do we need Tila in the mix? Maybe we can transition her into the new role of the sorceress. And then we would get a story that we never really got to see her in that role right which that's was true. always set up i mean that's been pretty much set up since day one of of masters of the universe so we've never never been explored i don't think mm-hmm. so that would be very cool i agree 
Was anyone else, well, Josh, unfortunately, you can't really see it, um, but was anyone disappointed in what the I assume is the Fright Zone? It was shown in a little panel um, when Hordak is talking to Adora in his, like, crystal ball thing. If that's the Fright Zone, yeah. I'm thoroughly disappointed. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even notice that. I mean, it's like a black building with, you know, yellow windows and, like, a horde bat at the top. Looks like a high rise in the middle of a city that just happened to get transported to a mountain range. Yeah. yeah. There's like flames coming off it. Yeah. Yeah, ew. Not a fan. And of course, Hordak looking like alien predator. You know what else Hordak reminds me of? Mm-hmm. Did you ever play the um, Nintendo game Contra? No. Yes. The first Nintendo game? Yes, yes, There's, I love that game. Do you know what I mean? There's, like, that big boss. Like, I can't remember if it was at the end or if it was partway through, but it's, like, that's what he looks like. It's, like, this alien-looking... Freaking... I'll have to find a screenshot or something. But that that's what he looks like. <laughs> Could it be that that's what he looks like uh, in Despondus? And what, maybe when he you know, eventually, presumably, crosses it... over to Eternia... It looks like he is, like, made up of dead people that he's, like, consuming. Yeah, it's really gross, actually. <laughs> well, does... I mean, that sort of matches Hordak's original concept, I guess. The whole vampire-cyborg thing, but... He looks like he's um plugged into something else at the moment. Yeah, he does. That was... My interpretation of it was that he was plugged into some sort of machine and that when he comes out of that, he'll probably look more Hordak. More like Hordak. Okay. Like maybe this is recharging him or something. Yeah. You can't even see his legs. (laughs) So I assume he... Oh my God. He does look like that Contra dude. (laughs) Yes, he does. I think that... Oh, wait. Hang on. Hang on. I found it. Um, Hang on. Let me send it. But yeah, it does... Because I think the, the... Screenshot you sent is from a um, a newer version. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but this is what I was thinking. This is from the original Contra. Oh yeah, that does. Yes, and yes. It's animated. <laughs> yeah, it's animated. <laughs> wow, that's awesome. <laughs> He's weird. Um, but I do wonder if when he crosses over. Uh, assuming he does, that maybe he'll he'll have more of the classic Hordak look. Yeah, maybe we'll get like a store in the origin book or something that shows like, um, so this might not be the best analogy, but it's the one that's popping up in my head. Sort of how like in Batman, uh, Victor Freeze has to walk around in that, you know, Freeze suit. Mm. Um, whereas like maybe Hordak's weird alien body thing to to survive he'd have to be put into and be built with the like new machine parts mm-hmm. type thing because we've only ever seen him in very sort of static poses so far anyway haven't we yeah and i think yeah. in the in the shira mini um when like sorceress is talk or not sorceress shadow weaver is talking to him um he's still in this like alien form not really moving around so maybe he yeah maybe he's like in a containment unit or something from because mm. where he was still they're still saying he was beaten by king grayskull um so if he's in like despondos or something and maybe he was badly injured 
Yeah, or just he can't maybe survive there. Uh-huh. Is my my thought. I know. Mm. They're gonna turn him into Horde Prime so he never has to leave his spaceship. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I could yeah, you know what, I wouldn't be surprised if that Horde Prime outfit shows up. That would be awesome. Um, very, very glad that uh, we got confirmation that uh, she is Adora. The name yeah. Adora will still be used. Yeah. What's What's interesting is so this so instead of it being Man at Arms that recognizes her, like in Secret of the Sword, um, and Tila's all like, "Who's that?" Jealousy. Um, yeah. <laughs> Tila actually. Oh, I like how Adora says, "Like you know, oh, you know, if we were not enemies or something, we would probably be friends." Because uh, we think the same way or something like that. Um, but um, so Tila recognizes that it's Adora. So interesting to me. Okay, Tila recognizes that it's Adora. But He-Man does not. He doesn't. You'd think he'd be the first one to say, whoa, it's my sister. All right, I have a theory. <laughs> so what's, yeah, what's the theory on that? Here's my theory. Um, so... Go rewind for a second back earlier on during the funeral they have the exchange that we alluded to earlier about oh maybe the sorceress isn't really dead she can become a, a bird or whatever right so they, they uh -huh. sort of have that thing and we've got all this drama going on with Tila and how much she hates the uh, the magic uh, users and whatever what if in her transition to the sorceress the sorceress's knowledge memories whatever are going to end up being transferred to Tila now that she's going to have to take on that role. And that's why she knows it's Adora. They should totally have you as a consultant because that <laughs> would be awesome. I like that angle. Mm -hmm. mm. I like that. Like, yeah, if the sorceress's essence like flowed into Tila when she died. Right. She is, she's starting to learn the, uh, yeah, she's starting to learn what uh, the sorceress knew or, you know, tap into that. Yeah, because like no, even in the Shira mini, and I'm still con totally confused if we're supposed like is this a continuation of the minis in a way or not? Because the Shira mini did say like what to be continued question mark or right yeah. something mm -hmm. in and He Man the Master yeah. Universe. Yeah, so one, like is so. that Shira mini part of this series, but the rest of the minis really aren't? I think they. Um, all, I think everything was sort of. But, like, it together. does reference the whole, like, her mini referenced her being kidnapped briefly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's interesting, like, yeah, it's interesting to me. So if she was still kidnapped as a little bambino, how is Tila, I mean, because we're obviously, she, you know, she never saw Adora then. So, and now that Adora has that buzz cut, you know. Yeah. Well, and she's all grown up and everything anyway. Yeah. Like, she wouldn't recognize her yeah. in the normal scheme of things, which is why the, the sorceress angle is the only thing that makes sense to me. At least I like that. Point. I like that angle. Mm. I do. Well, if they want to hire me, I am available. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I can't, I can't wait to the second, I guess, issue. I hope it explains some of this stuff. Because so it's like, it still didn't explain if, like, they're coming from Etheria if they're coming from Despondos, right? Did her mini well, say no, I think it her was mini, both? Didn't her mini say that Etheria was in the dimension in of Despondos? Okay. I believe it did. Pretty sure. Um, Between thing, that and the bios, it's starting to hard to get 
keep track yeah, of what's said like, what and on then the there's details the like separate that. mini comic classics yeah. that's going to have like an origin of Hordak. So it's like I'm all confused. Um, but wait, many things at once. The um the panel where He Man says I have the power. He like can we all just point out that he's doing the filmation stance. Yep. Total which, filmation. Yeah, which is awesome because the Mike Young show did ignored that. Mm-hmm. Um, he's just kept holding the sword aloft when he said I had the power, but this one he's pressing it in front of himself, and I'm very happy for that nod. Yeah, that is that is cool. Um, how, what do we feel about Tila? Um, no, not her strip show, Katie. But- <laughs> no, seriously. Why does she all of a sudden start stripping? She's walking Thank down you. the hall. She's with her father. Exactly. I, I wouldn't have a problem with it if it was her and Adam and she's like, look what you can't have. <laughs> but, um, it's, she's stripping in front of a uh, Decker and man at arms too. Yep. <laughs> like. Though one would say that's just, I mean, what she's wearing, it's interesting because you get a different impression. It's like it's salacious if she strips down to her underwear. But really, that looks just like a two piece bathing suit as well. But it doesn't have like the fur and. No, I know, but I'm just saying, like, in our contemporary minds, like when, when we're walking on the beach or something. We don't think it's that salacious, right, for someone to be in a bikini. But if that same person was, you know, in like underwear, bra and underwear, um, we would think, oh, my God, she's walking around (laughs) in her underwear when really it's just a bikini. Okay, well, next issue, I want a scene where Adam like strips down to his underwear then. Right. Like he's in front of like he's in front of man at arms and. You know, well, since they wear the furry underwear outside, <laughs> what do they wear underneath the furry underwear? Do you want yeah, him I, to have on like a man thong? Or? I don't. I don't have yes, a <laughs> a man thong. I don't. I don't have a. I, I well, I, for one thing, I can't see the art, so I really don't have much of an opinion or to offer either way. But I will say that in, in a lot of fantasy or whatever, things like that tend to be done. You know, in part, not specifically like this, but things that that you sort of question to emphasize the difference differences in cultures of these alien places. So, um, and I mean, frankly, no matter which way you you look at it, in Masters, nobody ever has worn a whole lot. So maybe they just don't have the same <laughs> kinds of taboos that we do. You know, well, like I, I get. I get that part of the reason is they're showing that because, you know, they're all dressed up in these like uh, formal looking, mm-hmm. you know, outfits for the funeral, which I actually liked. I thought the, the design of those were pretty neat. And obviously she doesn't like this. She she likes to wear her own stuff. She doesn't, you know, she finds it all stuffy and, you know, so that's part of the reason she wants to take it off as soon as she can, as soon as they're done yeah. with the. You know, I get that, but it's like, come on, you're in front of your father, you're in front of Decker, <laughs> you're in front of Adam, just walking down the hall stripping. Like, just, <laughs> like you can't wait to get into your room. It's like, I know. <laughs> and she was like, they were walking down the hallway to her room. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, but I mean, oh, also, did you notice at the beginning of the issue, it basically confirms, doesn't it, that uh, that man at arms is her real father? Because he talks about how he still loves the sorceress. He's still in love with the sorceress and stuff. True, but... It was still a little bit vague on the point of whether or not he was... He said, I could be. 
right? Yeah. Adam says, you are her father. And then he says... But he says, be- because I could be. Yeah. Because he's saying that he was there for her. He raised her. Uh-huh. Right. Whereas the sorceress didn't. But, but- oh, I get you. I get you. I, I, I see. I misinterpreted. Yeah, I get you. I get you. I had that. to read that a couple yeah, times. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I get both interpretations, but I think it's still open to interpretation both ways. Uh... Because th- he's saying... He's, no, saying, he's, I, sort, I really- of, he's sort of answering it... I, no, to me, it could have like double meaning to me. No, I, I kind of agree with Leanne on this. I know he's saying because he could be, he could be in the father role because of his position, whereas the sorceress right. had to distance herself from her. So are I, mages like the power sword, sort of power, whatever, where it has to be handed down by blood again? I'm getting tired of this. Only my daughter can have my power. Um, hmm, not sure. I do like the angle, though, that she hates mages and then she's going to be one. Yeah, that is really funny. (laughs) But it feels like the sorceress had a kid because she felt like she had to. Not that she actually wanted one because she obviously didn't raise her. Well, but maybe, you know, in the throes of passion when you're with your man, uh, (laughs) she might have been like, oops. True. I don't know, but I, I still, I'm still not convinced absolutely that man in arms is necessarily her biological we don't father. want it to be fisto i know <laughs> no, i know i i'm not saying i care either way but i don't think there's anything there that that confirms or refutes that either way well i guess we can agree to disagree <laughs> I, but i do think though because he made a point to to tell adam that he basically still loves the sorceress so when, during the funeral Adam and Teela are like talking smack and stuff. And it's like, dude, be respectful. (laughs) You know, first the sor you're at a funeral. The sorceress is dead, right? She's kind of important. Then, you know, you're right in front of Man in Arms, and he's just, you know, he still loves this woman. She's just died. And you're like, you know, joking around with Teela. It's like that rubbed me the wrong way. Yeah. I get that. Normally I I do like the banter between them though. And I, I think that it's, I mean, that's part of what I like between those two characters in these issues, because they've done a really good job of it. But I thought it was inappropriate there. They should have toned it down a little bit. Yeah. They've also done a great job of uh, doing the banter, but not uh, making Teela into a horrible person, <laughs> which I think was often what she came across as, especially in the uh, Mike Young show, where she was just constantly having a go at Adam for everything he did. Yeah. But that, yeah, of I mean, course, she's was like... her way of showing that she loved him. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think she did. I think she hated him. <laughs> <laughs> well, he did wear those purple pants, and she was just like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> I have, You mentioned, uh, Leanne, I do like their uh, new outfits, Yep. Um, like uh, Man at Arms is kind of formal wear, and then Prince Adams, it's his usual attire isk, right? Inspired by. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think it looks uh, cool, like a cool update. Yeah, I think oh, so too. Yeah. Because um, I thought the, like, the Mike Young was a good update from Filmation, and this like takes it like the next step mm-hmm. uh, for a royal prince mm-hmm. uh, to look. I want to know why the farmers sounded like they were on Little House on the Prairie. Oh, <laughs> you should hear me trying to read their sentences to uh, Josh. Yeah. 
I'm like, aren't they're going to get them farm? <laughs> I, I kind of took it again, kind of going back to the whole, you know, fantasy genre, sort of sorcery. I read a lot of that sort of thing. I kind of took it as sort of this concept that a lot of those have that there's sort of like the high speech and the low speech and the commoners speak the low speech, which is, uh, you know, this sort yeah. of uh, very, you know, variant on and that's that's you know that's done that's pretty common in fantasy so that's, that's sort of how i was taking it you know they're the the royals and everybody you, you know you'll notice are all speaking perfectly normal to us so that's sort of the high speech and that the commoners speak this lower dialect how about that just reminded me how they snuck in just that little tiny tidbit to let us know that there's still something deep down um that's good, uh, sort of, in Adora, is she tells the Horde trooper to, like, take care of the, the one boy because he's suffering. Yeah. Like, that they ended up blasting him. So that she, I mean, of course she's like, kill him. <laughs> but she makes, she says to do so because he is suffering uh, needlessly. Yeah. So I, I like that. Too. I like that. Yeah. Like, it was that little, re- just that little hint. Yep. That was There's, good. Yeah. Because, I mean, it's like the panel before it, she decapitates the, the father. Yeah. The farmer. But then, yeah, it shows that there's a little something there. And the the scene at the end where He-Man and Despara are facing off and Tila just keeps saying, kill her, kill her. That, I thought that was <laughs> pretty damn funny, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you talking to her? Just kill her. Yeah. <laughs> What I would love for them to do... Yeah, she's like, pretend she's a guy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's great. I'd love for them to do... Um, I actually saw some of these on Netflix. It was kind of like the old Golden Book videos where they would take these and kind of like sort of animate them. Didn't um, they do that but, with a Batman one recently? I think they did. Yeah, there's on Netflix. Uh, there were some X-Men ones and I was like, oh, a new X-Men cartoon. I'll check this out. Uh, so I check it out on Netflix and it's like really just like the comic book comes to life. Um, definitely not for kids because it was like Cyclops was like sleeping with the White Queen or whatever and like <laughs> the first minute. They had uh, that animated? Yeah. Well, it was like not animated <laughs> animated. But it was like a golden book video. Do you remember those? Yeah. Yeah. So it was kind of like that. And I was like, whoa, what's going on here? Like <laughs> half naked white queen and, and Cyclops whose name, what's his real name? Scott Summers. Scott Summers. And I'm like, where's Jean Grey? Um, <laughs> but I would love to see this like like done. I think that'd be cool. But they it won't, like, won't happen. And stuff. In the, uh, the Netflix thing? Uh-huh. Yes. Ooh. Yeah. So I think that would be kind of cool. But um, probably won't happen, but I'm just putting it out to the universe. (laughs) (laughs) And I like how He-Man takes up for uh, Tila. She is not a servant. Oh, yes. It's kind of cute. She's my lover. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, okay. So how do we feel that Tila knows that Prince Adam is He-Man? Does everybody know? I think they do. Well, generally. yeah. I mean, we. I mean, I pretty much figured she did because of the miniseries. Yeah, the aftermath of all that pretty much confirmed that just everybody knows now because of what went down. Then why so. doesn't He Man know that she knows? Because he huh? asks, "How did you?" Mm-hmm. Right. Well, what? she said. Oh, she says she knew he'd be up here, and he says, "How did you?" Oh. 
And then she, yeah, she explains because you need room to do that transformation sequence. <laughs> but I don't know. I don't know. I'm all confused on the minis and the mini series and then the regular series. Like, I'm trying to go into this one without the knowledge of those just to kind of pick up what they're trying to tell us. No, I think I the the miniseries though was pretty much just a prequel for this ongoing. Mm-hmm. You know, like it led up to this. Uh, I'm just I'm not really I've not at least in my mind haven't separated them. It's it's all one continuous story. Hmm. Well, at least they have Hordak and the Horde involved from the beginning. That makes me happy. I hate having because you know with Mike Young we had to wait and wait and wait and then we never really got the Horde. So. Oh, it's, is Skeletor meant to be dead? <laughs> well, yeah, he does say, right, that we've gotten rid of the the skeleton one, but isn't, what what happened at the end of that? Well, no, there's a, yeah, we don't know. And there was a comment, like, uh, I forget what it is in this one, right? That's like, so we think, or perhaps, or something about Skeletor. Mm-hmm. So I suspect he's coming back into the the picture. Yeah, he's just, he's just like wounded at the moment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what does, uh, Hordak says something like, yeah, the, skeletal one is not the problem anymore or something mm. for now yeah i think somebody for says now. for now or something like that after he says that i believe i seem to recall that but we read it so fast <laughs> yeah i'm trying to find the panel really quick do any of you watch game of thrones i do yeah you know i can't remember her name but like the guard that's been traveling with what's his name Hmm. 
Uh, oh, wait. He's in the same panel. He's just shorter than the rest. Oh, know. my gosh. I thought that was like a rock or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's Ram Man. He's very short. <laughs> like a dwarf now. Where's the rest of you? <laughs> well, he he was shorter in the filmation show, too. True, but I don't think he was that short. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he's down another step or something. It's I just mean, like, he comes up to Stratos' shoulder in this panel. Well, geez, he comes up to, like, Decker's, like, his upper chest. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> his legs, you know, the springs are down at the moment. <laughs> yeah. It, it just always makes me wonder why they choose which character. You know what I mean? So, like, why is it that we get to see Stratos, Roboto, Carnivus, and Ram Man? Because Stratos is awesome. Well, besides that fact, Leanne. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's, like, up on the stage. He's, like, behind Adam. You, like, you know, that's right. <laughs> Where's Queen Marlena, though? Oh, we forgot to mention that in the origin story, we uh, they confirmed that Marlena was from Earth. Oh, yes. That was a big deal. That was cool. In my opinion. Yeah. Skeletor, what, said something about your Earth mother. Your fil- filthy Earth mother, right? Something like yeah. that. <laughs> How dare he? Yeah. It was not a compliment. No. That he, he was given there. It's interesting that, you know, Adam and Teela and Man-at-Arms all have that updated... Uh, formal look in that scene, but Randor is total filmation. Yes, he is. He is total filmation. He's in his Burger King Randor outfit. <laughs> <laughs> if you look closely, it looks like Stratos has like some type of jacket on. Does he? Uh, yeah, I think he does. Oh snap! <laughs> so he's all dressed up too. He just I threw a so. jacket on. <laughs> yeah, he I'm does have one on, doesn't he? I, th- awesome. I mean, that's what it looks like to me. I might have to draw this now. Oh, because yeah, <laughs> if you royal Stratos. If you go to the, are you on the page that has like the big falcon gold thing? Yep. Okay, go to the next page, and he's standing behind Adam and Tila. Yep. And it totally. Yeah, is. he does. Like it even looks like he has a collared shirt on. Or yeah, something. he does. <laughs> <laughs> Bring a tie. That's a <laughs> I'm gonna have to draw that now. Boom. Stratos formal wear. Yep. <laughs> now I demand a, an action figure of this. There you go. <laughs> but he's still wearing his fuzzy underwear, isn't he? Uh, he just barely peeks out from under yeah. the jacket. <laughs> <laughs> it's either that or like feathered underwear. It looks a little feathered. Interesting. He could have at least put some pants on. Yeah. <laughs> What's up with that, Leanne? It's a well, funeral. Maybe he, maybe he has pants on, but it's just the underwear is outside. <laughs> <laughs> he can fly, so he thinks he's Superman. <laughs> he can do what he wants. <laughs> Well, issue uh, two should be coming out soon, right, Josh? Uh, I don't know the date. I'm assuming it is sometime in mid-May. If they follow their traditional pattern. This one only came out a few days ago, so. Or about oh, a week ago. Yeah, that's right. A week. I'm sorry. I can never remember when I read these. I signed up for the subscription where they'll send you the real comic book. Um, 
and like a variant cover or something. Although I need to get there's another so there's two variant covers. One with that subscription is um what it'll be the one with the action figures on the cover, and then there is a Shira cover with Shira on Swiftwind. That oh my gosh is going on eBay for like twenty six dollars. What? That's a little pricey. Just Must be limited. Well, yeah, variant cover, right? Another one at nineteen oh six. That's bunk. It's just gonna be like those Death of Superman issues I have. They'll be worth a penny later. <laughs> huh? Is that all? Yeah. Oh no no no! We have our surprise. Yes yes we do. We have our surprise. So Josh, why don't you explain the surprise real quick before I splice it in? All right. Uh, so I listened to not normally, but I recently listened to a podcast called The Incomparable, and if you don't check out this show you might want to it is uh hosted by a lot of people who are in the um, tech journalism world uh some of which i am partially acquainted with and uh, they recently did a show where they were spoofing old-time radio and audio dramas um and it was hilarious and in the midst of that there was a master universe reference there was a little piece of an old master's Cartoon, uh, commercial rather from the 80s so uh, I've been interviewed by Macworld magazine a couple of times so I'm, I know uh, am acquainted in any way with some of the people that work over there so I uh, was tweeting back and forth with the senior editor of Macworld who's also the main host of the incomparable and I said I got a huge kick out of the masters of the universe uh, reference and uh, all that and he said oh you know and i host masters cast etc etc i'm a big fan and he said oh well that was steve lutz and he steve lutz is uh, a member of their show and as a child he was in a couple of the master universe cartoon or uh, master universe commercials toy commercials um and uh so we set it up jumped on skype and uh, Shadow Leanne and I had a chance to talk to Steve Lutz about that experience. Mm. So we recorded it and are splicing it in. Awesome. Nice. All right. And with us is a very special guest. We have uh, Mr. Steve Lutz. Hello, Mr. Steve. Hello there, Josh. How are you? I'm doing quite well. Thank you for coming on to Masters Cast. Oh, it's my pleasure. So uh, let's, for just a second, we'll talk about who you are in general now, and then we'll talk about why you're on Master's Cast. So uh, I discovered you actually fairly recently because of a podcast, The Incomparable, which I've known about for a long time and have sure. been terrified of subscribing to because I was afraid <laughs> that it was going to steal all of my time away and prevent me from getting on with life um, because it's just a great, uh, great, great podcast so you you do that and then you do some sort of software development so what t talk a little bit about both those things real real briefly if you would 
Yeah, I've been doing uh, The Incomparable, which I think really hits the sweet spot for a, a certain type of person, uh, namely geeks. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we go, we, go for, uh, we go through a variety of topics. I think there's a, a book club and a, we uh, talk about movies and games and pretty much whatever strikes our interest you know, as, as a bunch of fellow geeks. Um, a few of us uh, went to college together back in the day and uh, a lot of the rest of them are, are friends of Jason Snell, the host. Uh, and colleagues of his from Macworld and, and around the tech industry. Um, so we have a lot of fun on that show. We've been doing it for about two and a half years now, and uh, I'm more of an occasional contributor because I uh, unfortunately don't have a whole lot of time to spend geeking out on stuff as much as I, I would like, you know, as an, sadly an adult at this point in time, or at least ostensibly one with, uh, with kids <laughs> to take care of. So, uh, but it's a lot of fun, and uh, I agree that it's a uh, it's a dangerous thing to subscribe to because there are a lot of people who uh, spend a lot of time listening to podcasts, and we are certainly one of those. <laughs> as far as uh, me personally, yeah, I, I do software development. I'm actually a consultant, and uh, it's uh, not really terribly exciting work. So I don't want to go into too much detail there. But more or <laughs> less, right. I, I'm, a, I'm a developer and, uh, and an engineer, and... Uh, and as a consultant, I pretty much do whatever people are willing to pay me for. So uh, kind of a cyber hoe, really. But uh, that's right. it in a nutshell. All right. And then uh, back about 30 years ago. Yes. You had a clean to In the mists fame. of time. Back <laughs> before right. the dawn of man. You were, uh, you were in two commercials, toy commercials for Masters of the Universe. That is correct. Yes. So... Uh, you were in uh, a very early one, I guess, with uh, He-Man and Skeletor, which was used to sell the toy line to the shareholders. And then later on, you were in the web store commercial, and you always played the bad guys. That's right. Yeah, there must have been something about me, because I invariably ended up playing the bad guy in these ads. Um, yeah, this, the first one was, uh, as, I, as I might have mentioned to you earlier, um, it was sort of the uh, part of the package that they used to sell the toy line to Mattel. And uh, as I recall, I filmed two or three simultaneously. Um, I was in the sort of generic He-Man versus Skeletor ad. Uh, and there was another one going on at the same time where they were uh, showing off Grayskull, which was new at the time. Um, well, I guess it all was new at the time because technically they weren't for sale yet. <laughs> and in fact, they weren't even sure they were going to sell them yet. But again, uh, you know, so they put together one of these packages and then they show it to the shareholders and everybody decides what route they want to go uh, and whether they want to pick up the line and try to actually make a bunch of these things. Um, in this particular ad, it's, uh, it's kind of the, the common template for the early Masters of the Universe ads. Um, I'm in the foreground holding Skeletor by a leg and... Uh, Another kid is on the other side of the screen holding He-Man by the leg, and we're slowly moving them towards each other in a menacing fashion when Dad approaches from behind and says, Who's this? And the young He-Man boy says, It's He-Man, the most powerful man in the universe. And down in the corner, a little bull-haired kid with a black turtleneck says, Skeletor is his enemy. And that was me. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually awesome. So. Yeah. So we cut to uh, you know the announcer guy, and he comes on and says, "He-Man, he's a big, muscular guy with a waist that can spin, and watch, he can punch the bonehead guy in the face." And uh, oh, there goes his sword. And then we come back, and there's a little more dialogue, but 
and uh, He-Man knocks over Skeletor, and uh, and that's it. So, so that was uh, that was the fun-filled first ad, which um, again they used to to sell to the shareholders. And then a few weeks later, they had us. Well, it must have been a month or so later, they had us come back and uh, and film it again for the um, for public consumption. So how did you get involved in the commercial to begin with? I had been doing some commercial acting for a year or two. Um, in my younger days, I actually used to, uh, the whole, my whole family used to dance, ballet actually. And uh, one of my teachers knew an agent in LA. And uh, we all, a group of us from her class went up to, uh, to talk to the agent and kind of see if, they, if anybody wanted to sign, or if they wanted to sign any of us to, uh, to acting contracts. And um, of that group, there were, I think, one or two of us that uh, actually, they actually ended up signing, and I was one of them. I was kind of a little talkative twerp. <laughs> <laughs> and how old and, were you uh, at the time? Gosh, when we first went up there, I would say I had to be maybe six or seven. Mm-hmm. I was pretty young. And at the time that the He-Man ad, uh, the first one was done, I was probably nine. I want to say it was like 1981, which would have made me eight or nine. Um, so yeah, early days, and um, that that uh, that career more or less involved me riding in the car between uh, Redlands, where I lived, and 60 miles west in L.A. Uh, as my mom drove back and forth, and uh, we went to interview after interview, and um, you know once in a while would get a, a occasional commercial spot. I think I, I did a McDonald's ad, I did a couple of Hot Wheels spots, and then a, a couple of He-Man ads, and then. The first thing I did was actually a uh, very obscure country music version of uh, A Christmas Carol that aired on NBC. <laughs> and uh, I was the, uh, the down-home version of Tiny Tim with my gimpy leg brace and, uh, and all. So, <laughs> wow. Yeah. So, yeah, it was a, a fun-filled early career, which um, only lasted until probably about, I'd say about 13 or 14 when my mom got sick of driving me and I got sick of being driven and yeah, <laughs> had other interests yeah. and uh, kind of fell by the wayside. Um, so yeah, it never really amounted to a whole lot. Although I seem to have a knack for getting really close to getting a part and then losing out to like the last one or two guys. Um, they'd, they'd have you come in initially and there'd be a huge group of kids sitting there most of the time. It'd be what they called a cattle call. And you'd walk into this room and there'd be 50 kids all around the same age and shape and size. And you go, okay, there's no way in hell I'm going to get this. Um, so you'd walk into the room and uh, they'd hand you a script and you'd read it and you'd smile and try and look cute. And then you'd go away and you'd never hear about it again. Periodically, they'd have you in for a callback where they'd bring a smaller group in. And... Uh, Usually you felt like, well, that's, that's good. I'm getting a little closer. And then maybe they'd have you for a second callback where they'd gotten it narrowed down to maybe five. And uh, on very rare occasions, they'd even have a third callback where they'd, they'd be having a fight over, you know, is it the blonde kid or the brunette or, or what? And uh, I always seemed to get to the, maybe the second callback and then never heard, never heard about it again. Okay, uh, was nearly, what is his name? The kid on the first iteration of Battlestar Galactica, the kid with the Moffat. Boxy was his name, I think. Not sure, but uh, wow. Yeah. And then uh, I think I was 
pretty close for the never-ending story. Not for Atreyu, but the uh, the kid who reads the book in the in the. Um, oh, that's Bastion. very cool. Sebastian, that's right. Or Bastion, right? Bastion, yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Which, which ended up being played by Barrett Oliver, who uh, I was in a Hot Wheels commercial with at one point. And it was wow. funny, when you, when you uh, went in for these ads, you always saw the same kids, basically. And uh, so I was always bumping into uh, Corey Feldman and Barrett Oliver I ran into several times. I think he played Daryl later as well uh, in that movie. And uh, Jason Hervey, who was the older brother in the Wonder Years. So, yeah, it was, uh, it was kind of a small group, and we always run into each other. And, uh, and they all managed to get roles, and uh, <laughs> I did a couple of commercials and dud. But it was and fun. And now you do software development. development. <laughs> that's right. Yes, uh, that's, that's true. And on the plus side, I'm not, you know, a drug addict lying in a, a gutter somewhere, so... That's true. I guess it could have been a, there's worse. There's a bright side, right? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Still a, alive and relatively stable, so that's that's the plus. So the the web store commercial did that come quite a bit later on, or I think that was in '83. I want to say that sounds about right. Yeah, maybe '83, yeah. '84, somewhere in there. I think wasn't. Yeah, and that again, I was web store in that uh, dropping in from above with my backpack with a string attached. <laughs> uh, that one actually you can find on YouTube. The um, yeah, we were watching it before we brought you in. Actually, yeah, yeah. Uh, did and by that point now, Masters had kind of become established and and things. How were you? Were you ever a fan of the 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 cartoon or anything as a kid, or was this just something that uh, you had to 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 act like you were playing with as uh, when you went to do the commercials? You know, I got to say, it was, it was never something that I was into. Not that I, I wouldn't have been, but right around the same time as I did the first ad, which was age nine, uh, my family got their first computer. And that kind of took over my, uh, my, my early nerdism. And, uh, <laughs> it was kind of the only thing I was interested in for a while after that. So action figures were pretty much out at that point. Um, so... Yeah, it was it was never one of my big things, but obviously uh, I had to walk around and have everybody say Skeletor is his enemy at me for years afterwards. So <laughs> it's always always held a special place in my heart. Did, did <laughs> your friends, did your friends at school or whatever know? Did they know that you were the kid in the commercial? Did they recognize oh, yeah. you? Yeah, they yeah, did. no, they knew, they knew. Well, it it had gotten out the the uh, in a couple of years previously when I was in the the Christmas show, so you know it wasn't exactly a secret and. Of course, right. that ad aired constantly uh, at the time. I mean, it was on all the time. Uh, so it, there really was no way of avoiding it. It, it kind of <laughs> followed me for at least another two, three years. And once in a while, I'll even mention it to somebody around my age, and they'll go, oh, my God, I remember that ad. You were that kid? I hated that kid. No. <laughs> <laughs> and Did you always remember? had to be on the losing end as the villain in the yeah, commercial. always. Yeah, I'm always the guy that gets knocked over or, you know, <laughs> Actually, I think in the web store ad, I managed to escape with the with with the laser, if if I recall. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah, I, I got away. I got away clean on that one. So yeah, do you the, remember the, about the, uh, how? Sorry, yeah, do you remember about how long it it took to film the the commercials? They were just one day shoots, so uh, it it pretty much took the bulk of an entire day. Okay. For each of those. Um. So yeah, I mean it wasn't a it wasn't a long term thing. They they kind of get you in and out pretty quickly. Um, 
because they have to pay for somebody on set to uh, be your school teacher and all manner of things. There's yeah. a whole set of union rules that that uh, apply only to kids. So it's very expensive for them to go over a, a, a day or two if they can avoid it. So they try to keep it as short as possible. Did they make a conscious effort to make sure you guys didn't steal the toys at the end of the day? <laughs> you know what? I don't recall anybody ever even trying. Um, <laughs> although they did, after the first He-Man commercial, I did receive a packaged Skeletor, one of the, the very early ones that uh, oh. had the mini-comic, which uh, still resides in a box in my closet somewhere. That's very cool. At the time, I was I was completely unaware of the existence of collectors and the wisdom of not taking it out of the box and playing with it. Because you know, come on, I was nine. Well, I, I'm I'm blind. I don't know if you you know. I've done some interviews over at MacWorld and stuff, so I open everything. In the, in that, <laughs> so because otherwise, well, it's not much fun in the in the bubble wrap. Yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so I gotta I gotta look at everything, and it drives a lot of the other fans insane. So. Now, when I think about it, they they probably were fairly guarded with the toys that they had on the uh, the first shoot, which was, of course, before they were readily available and had been revealed to the public. And I remember they had a few uh, sort of unusual prototypes on the set for that one. And uh, I don't know if they were part of what they were filming in one of the other ads that they filmed at the same time or not. But I remember seeing there was a He-Man that uh, was just flesh tones. Like they hadn't painted the, any of the facial features or the boots or the loincloth or any of that stuff. It was just all flesh tones. Um, and there was another one that was blue. And I think they later released a blue He-Man, didn't they? Yeah, that's figure. Mm -hmm. Yep, yep. Yeah. So there was, there was one of those at the time. And then he had like a little, uh, strangely enough, a little spaceman outfit. So there was a – and I believe at one point they were talking about having He-Man be more of a generic character rather than kind of a, a Conan – uh, barbarian-esque sort of uh, figure. They they thought he could, uh, you know, have a whole space adventure kind of scenario that he was involved in. And uh, actually, yeah, you'll yeah. you'll you might find it interesting that uh, the current Masters of the Universe action line that's going on right now, which is geared toward the adult collector line, they because they had that early on uh, concept that you're talking about the uh, kind of the generic thing where with him in the spacesuit, him as the like military thing, and then him as the Conan type bar barbarian warrior. Sure. They actually released a uh, exclusive at San Diego Comic Con last year of those prototypes. Oh so, no, kidding! <laughs> so yeah, so they had one of those laying around, and I I didn't know what that was all about, but uh, it was kind of cool now that I think back on it because those were those were really early prototypes, and I don't think they had really even decided on the direction they were necessarily going to go at that point. They may have even filmed a. Uh, space kind of ad because uh, I guess at that point they really hadn't decided what they were going to do yet they hadn't really firmed it up as to whether they were going with the uh, the barbarian angle or not so pretty cool that is very cool oh and the He-Man uh, the He-Man kid in that ad I forgot to mention was uh, Kirk Cameron from uh, oh, okay <laughs> from then I Pants. think I know I know which one to look for um, yeah uh, wow the one, yeah. god we had it on a VHS tape but uh, my parents had maybe 250 of those that uh, were just loaded with old movies and things. And uh, it was buried at the very tail end of one of those 250 tapes. And I just did not have the, uh, the wherewithal to go through to the end of six hours and see if the, this was the <laughs> one tape out of 250 that had the 30-second uh, commercial spot on it. So I had a copy of it there. And uh, 
once upon a time, one of the He-Man websites had a little clip of it because they did a um, e true Hollywood story on Growing Pains and the cast and, and crew of Growing Pains. And they actually showed a little clip of that because it turns out that was Kirk Cameron's first uh, acting gig. Wow. So there was a, a little bit of – I've actually been in a, an E! True Hollywood story, which uh, you know I managed to do without uh, shooting anybody or shooting Harry. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So I got that checked off my list relatively easily. All right. Well, do you, uh, Shadow, Leanne, do you guys have any other uh, questions? Or I, I think I'm, I'm out. This was really, really great. Yeah, I think – I don't think I have any more questions. No, I'm going to hunt for the, uh, uh, the other ad. I'll send you the link if I find the one that I think uh, you're referencing. If you find it, let me know. But I, have, I poke around YouTube periodically just to see if somebody's trans- transcribed one of their old videotapes or something and found it. But uh, it seems to have disappeared down the memory hole at this point, which is very unfortunate. Although WebStore lives on, which I'm happy for. So. <laughs> 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 All right, we'll see if we can find the, uh, the first one there. All right, good deal. All right. Well, Steve, let's thank you so much for, for coming on and uh, encourage everyone to check out The Incomparable. Is there uh, anything else that you would like to plug while you're here? I can't say that I, I have anything at this point. Um, so thanks for uh, having me. Yeah. Thanks for, for being on. You were, you were great. My pleasure. All right, so we want to thank again, uh, Steve, uh, for jumping on to Skype real quick and uh, talking to us. That was awesome. I mean, who would have thought, you know, because the, we always hear, well, Kirk Cameron was in the Masters of the Universe, uh, some of those commercials, and I'm sure he doesn't want to recognize that part of his life now. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> it's nice to hear uh, about the experience. They were awesome toy commercials. Indeed. Oh, well, unfortunately, our time has come to an end. I'm. That sounds so final. Oh. <laughs> I mean, the sorceress's time has come to an end, but <laughs> not if she's. Hopefully, living, the rest of us are okay. Not if she's living inside Tila. There you go. We're in a hamster. You know, if I if I'm right on that one too, people are going to start thinking that they're like feeding me info, and I swear, no no one is. So, but I hope that is the way they go with it. I think that would actually be cool. Yeah. Well, once again, we appreciate your support and downloads of the podcast. I'm John Callis. Sometimes I'm referred to as the Shadow. I can't possibly pull that off. <laughs> I'm Katie Carty Hiley, also known as Rainbow Bright. I am Martin Penny, also known as Wacky Martin. I am Leanne Hanna, sometimes called Stratos Macca. I am Josh Deline Court, and I am coming to you from the Vortex. And now I'd like to end every show, like we always do, with that special phrase that comes from the 1987 Masters of the Universe motion picture. When you're ready, my friends. <laughs> Good, Good journey. journey. <laughs> Bit creepy, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm stopping the recording now.